Hey folks, and welcome into the Ritz Report. Today is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there on the interwebs? Thanks for joining me on the world-famous Ritz Report. I am your esteemed and devilishly handsome host, Alex Ritz. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm here all week. Try the veal. Remember, folks, this is the only podcast that you need to know about, to know what's going on, to know when it's going on, and best of anything, of anything at all, what to think about everything that's going on. You are one pathetic loser. (laughs) Yes, thank you very little. Please send me notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com. And of course, of course, hit me on the socials at RitzReport on Twitter or the Gram. If you're new to the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or Wherever you go to get your podcast, personally, I like the iHeartRadio app. Not only can you get this show, but you can get other shows. But to be honest, why, after we think about that for a moment, why would we go and listen to any other show when there's this show, and this is the only show that really matters? (laughs) Okay, what are we talking about today? We are talking about New York City. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Did you know that? Did you know? Although uh, it may be easy, it may be different today. I don't know. But New York City, we're going to talk about the illegal alien crisis that is destroying New York City. And Mayor Adams has finally swerved into the truth regarding that. We're going to talk about Liberty Safe Company and J6 prosecutions. Folks, things are completely out of hand with the DOJ and the FBI and the arrests that they are still making on a daily basis for people that walked through the Capitol on January 6th. All they did was walk through. Listen, the ones that broke the law deserve to be punished, and the punishment deserves to be the appropriate punishment for the crime that was committed. So the gentleman the other day who was sentenced for terrorism, he got the terrorism enhancement charge because he shook a fence surrounding the Capitol. We have now equated in our justice system shaking a fence with flying a plane into a building. If you can do the math on that one, you get the Nobel Prize because it makes no sense. I mean, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of we want to have the justice system applied equally across the board, it makes no sense. If you look at it from Joe Biden's perspective and all of the losers that are filling his White House and his DOJ, then it makes total sense that you're doing a total political persecution of all of these people who stood up and said that they didn't believe that you were a truly elected president, that you didn't get those 81 million votes and how those 81 million people never seem to show up when you show up to do an event or when you have a book that's been released about your disastrous presidency. Nobody seems to care. So we're going to touch on Liberty Safe and J6. We're going to touch again on the book that I am continuing to read called Cobble about the horrors the absolute horrors that Joe Biden created during the fiasco of an exit that we had in Afghanistan strictly for political reasons. He wanted to get out, had nothing to do with anything other than politics and him being able to say, look at me, I am such a consequential president that I got us out of this war that all of these other presidents couldn't get us out of. Joe's problem is, Joe's problem is that He believes he's a consequential president because he's doing great things. But the truth is, he's a consequential president because he's a loser. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. 
that turned that 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 turned uh, um, blonde in the sun. Commander in chief. And the kids used to come up and oh, reach yeah. in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was trained, and then watch the hair come back up again. Right. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Loser. Loser. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to talk about some of the topics in Kabul if we get to that. Also, Hulk Hogan and drinking. And the reason that this story crossed my desk was because I got an email. Here it is. Email from one of my great listeners. He writes, Ritz, this is Steve. He says, you mentioned that your mom died when you were in the eighth grade. Sorry to be a downer here, folks. I lost a parent of cancer when I was a kid. How did your mom pass? And this is, like I said, Steve. Steve, thanks for the question. Um, this is kind of a downer question, but it got me thinking about a piece that I saw in the post, and that was this Hulk Hogan piece that we're going to talk about here, uh, because Hulk Hogan talks about giving up alcohol in this piece and how he's much better now for it. He gave it up uh, at the beginning of January as a New Year's Eve thing. He figured he would stop and take a break from drinking. He'd been drinking for years and years and years. He's 70 now. For those of you who don't know, Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan was a, uh, was a big pro wrestling star back in the 90s. Uh, he also did a bit of acting. I think he was in Rocky 2 or 3. I forget which one, but he had a scene there with Sylvester Stallone. Hey, how you doing? Uh, so uh, he gave up drinking in January, and he says that it completely changed his life. Uh, and the reason that I think of this, because my mother actually had a stroke and died. She was severely overweight. She was an alcoholic. Alcoholism runs on that side of the family, my mom's side. A lot of the folks in that side of the family were alcoholics. And I actually have a sibling who struggles with alcohol problems. And I myself have had moments in my life where I drink too much. So I think it's important to just recognize that uh, alcohol is is a dangerous, it's a poison essentially for your body. It really is a poison. I mean, looking at what it has done to my brother makes me, makes me tremendously sad. I can't, I can't, I mean, I, I'm 52. He's three years older than me. He looks like he's 75 or 80. He has organs in his body that are failing. He has things that are happening to him that are truly horrific. And addiction is a disease. I understand that. And it's hard to really appreciate a disease unless you suffer from it yourself. But giving up drinking for anybody, anybody who drinks less or doesn't drink at all, I've never heard anybody complain about the fact that they're drinking less. And I know when my kids were young, I sort of just got into, luckily for me, I don't have that addictive gene, but I get into like a routine. So I would, you know, 6.30 at night or whatever, I would like, I'll have a beer. And it would just turn into like a routine. So for me, the biggest problem is, okay, I need to replace this habit that I have that's no good for me, that's going to kill me if I do it too much. I need to replace that habit with another habit. And generally, I like to find things, either I'll go to the gym or I'll read a book, but I have to change the habits and the way that I'm living my life during that time of the day so I don't, I don't partake in alcohol. Uh, yeah, so that's how, that's how my mom died. She had a stroke uh, as a result of being severely overweight because of alcohol addiction. Thanks for the email, Steve. Uh, so what are we going to start with today? Let's look. We are going to start with, how about we talk, start with New York City? How about that? So the mayor of New York City is now saying that the illegal alien crisis is literally destroying the city. I'm not sure how we got here. 
right? We were all told, all of these people that were coming here to, illegally to the United States, we were told by these liberals, whether they be in New York or in Washington, D.C. or Nancy Pelosi, we were told that these people are gifts, are gifts. When Mayor Adams, <clears throat> from June of 2001, when Mayor Adams was still running for mayor, there were debates that were going on between all the Looney Tunes that were looking to be the new mayor of New York City. Every single one of the eight Democrats that were running for mayor vowed, vowed to protect illegal immigrants from deportation, solidifying the Big Apple's often infamous status as a sanctuary city. So they stood up on the debate stage and each of them trumpeted it and talked about how they were going to outdo each other to give more free stuff to illegal people who came to New York. And now Eric Adams is crying. In fact, back in 2001, he said, quote, during the debate, uh, uh, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, which is what he was before he became mayor, I wish he was still Brooklyn Borough President, said migrants were his neighbors when he was growing up in Queens. He said, quote, my mother worked two jobs and provided for the six of us, and we had a group of undocumented residents that lived in our community. Adams said, oh, doesn't that sound nice? They had a group of migrants. They probably played soccer together. The other people that were on the stage were even more radical in their belief systems. We had former sanitation commissioner Catherine Garcia, who was truly Looney Tunes, like truly Looney Tunes, like math is racist Looney Tunes. And math is basically racist for two plus two might actually equal five. And she said, quote, we have to be a sanctuary city. We have to live up to our values, which means making investments in our families, regardless of documentation. So these people were 100% in on this. Even when, even when Greg Abbott in Texas started the initial busing from Texas to New York City, Eric Adams stood up and said, we welcome these people. We are a city of migrants. We are a city of people, and we will support them and give them what they need. Well, now the rubber has hit the road. The excrement has hit the fan. However you want to put it, the truth of the matter, where it's easy to stand up and pay lip service and do your virtue signaling when it doesn't really mean anything. But now that New York City has taken in 110,000 of these people and they're on track to take 10,000 more per month and Adam sees no end in sight, he is calling foul. He's calling uncle. He's saying, help me. He's saying, I can't do this. We can't do this. New York City can't do this. I love New York City. I love the people of New York City. I love New York and New York City when I live there. New York and New York City turned, it turned its back on me as a resident during COVID. And they, it forced me out of the state. The clueless leadership in that state failed the common sense test on COVID and BLM so, so badly. Some backstory, I lived in New York City from 97 to 2001, and it was utterly fantastic. Rudy Giuliani was the mayor from 94 to, I think, 2001. And the dude cleaned up the city. People hated him, but he cleaned up the city. Some people thought like he was too heavy handed, but he needed to do what he had to do to clean the city. I remember as a kid, I was probably 11 or 12 at the time, and my dad and I would travel to New York City to Chinatown every year to buy fireworks for the 4th of July. I lived about an hour hour or so away from Manhattan as a kid. And it was always like a great day. I remember every year as a kid, like waiting to go down to the city with my dad. We would park and we would walk into Little Italy and Chinatown, which are side by side, if you don't know New York at all. And there would be guys on the street. They would be yelling, fireworks, fireworks. And you just approach them and they would say, come with me. You follow them down the street. They would take you into an alley 
right? You go down a darkened alley, you go through a door, down a hallway that was dimly lit, and they would open a door and there would be a room full of fireworks. All the fireworks that were completely illegal in New York that you couldn't get anywhere, even if you drove down the south of the border in North and South Carolina, you could, the fireworks down there were completely lame compared to the stuff that you could get. So it was amazing. I remember the strong scent of all the foods in the air, the Italian sausage, the Chinese food, the fresh bread, totally amazing. I remember we used to get this curried squid from a Chinese deli there. That was the most amazing, if you don't like squid, they had this curried squid in New York City at this Chinese deli. I would practically eat all of it before I even got home. My point of all of this is that when I moved to the city as an adult, you could no longer get those fireworks. All of the illegal firework vendors and uh, vendors selling, you know, knockoff Louis Vuitton bags and Gucci bags, they were all gone. Giuliani had cleared all of it out. Sure, there were people whispering about selling illegal goods, but the openness with which they had gone about it in the past was gone. They could no longer do that. So the vendors had to be really careful with who they approached and who they spoke to because who knew who was a cop? So the hard-on-crime policies like that proliferated across the city, and the city was clean and safe. It was amazing. Even the, like I said, the folks who thought that he was being too heavy handed in terms of, you know, his policing policies and they thought that, you know, they were incarcerating too many people of the wrong color and things of that nonsense. They had to accept the fact after they got past being annoyed, they were like, holy cow, this guy cleaned up the city and they loved the result. You would have to be brain dead not to love the result. The city was thriving. It was safe. It was amazing. I was working on Wall Street and I would take the subway every day from Wall Street to Grand Central. And if it was a nice day, I'd get off at Grand Central and I would walk to my apartment on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, 71st uh, Street and 1st Avenue. Not once during that time did I have to worry about being mugged. I didn't have to look around constantly. I didn't have to be aware of my surroundings at every second. Now, nowadays, you have to have your head on a swivel. You have to know who's around you at all times and you have to have situational awareness. You got to be a lookout all the time for emotionally disturbed people who are walking down the street, some of them half naked, yelling at people. And when you see them, you just need to cross the street, right? And people will say, well, how come the cops don't arrest these people? The cops, if they pick them up, what are they going to do? They're going to come in, they're going to be processed, they're going to be back on the street in a day. With the DAs like Alvin Bragg, we can't even keep people who are actually committing real crimes off the street. How are we going to keep some dude who's just yelling at the sky thinking that he's a dog off the street? So that's what it was like before uh, de Blasio came into to being the mayor. And when Giuliani had cleaned it up, it was truly amazing. So amazing that my wife and I, we had a plan. We lived there until about 2001. We moved to the suburbs. We raised our kids. And the plan was when the kids go to college, we're going back to Manhattan. We had such an awesome time living there during Giuliani that we made the... Uh, we made a, a plan, a pack to go back to Manhattan. And when the kids went off to school, that's what we did. We bought a place in Chelsea at 7th Avenue and 23rd Street. And then BLM and COVID happened. Keep in mind, when, when Giuliani was mayor, after him came Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg was mayor from, I think, 2002 to 2013. He was kind of a nanny state guy. He limited the size of soft drinks that people could buy. But all in all, he was a good manager, and he kept the city humming. He kept the police working. He kept the trains going on time. He kept the streets clean. As a manager, Bloomberg was, was good, top-notch. Then came Bill de Blasio, whose real name, by the way, is Warren Wilhelm. <laughs> Warren Wilhelm. Loser, loser. 
Uh, knowing that he would never get elected in New York with a name like Warren Wilhelm, he changed his name to Bill de Blasio. Bill, married to a black lesbian, and he's a weed smoker. He smokes weed every day. Not that I'm against weed smoking, but if you're the mayor, you probably need to be sharp. And I would prefer if you didn't partake in drugs if you are serving the general public. So he would smoke weed every day. He wouldn't show up for work as mayor until 10, 11 o'clock. Needless to say, New York City was in serious trouble. And this clueless loser served as mayor from 2014 to 2021. And right at the end of his mayoralty, we had COVID and we had BLM. He proceeded to lock down the city, institute vaccine passports for everything except food shopping. De Blasio had done a really poor job as mayor. But New York City was in such a good place when he took over. Bloomberg and Giuliani had done such a good job that it took him years to destroy it. Years. I mean, he, he worked hard at it, don't get me wrong. He was a disaster on pretty much everything you could possibly think of, but it took him years to destroy New York City. You see this going on now in other places across the country. You see it in San Francisco. You see it in California as a whole. These places that were once fantastic are now being destroyed, but it takes time to destroy them. But the left destroys, folks. It's what they do. It's what's in their DNA. And de Blasio was a human wrecking ball to New York City. And BLM and COVID put de Blasio on steroids as a wrecking ball. I tell you all of this to say that in New York City, people know what works. Serious people know how to get the city back on track in terms of crime and law enforcement. The problem is, and this is Eric Adams' problem, is that it takes a supreme amount of self-confidence the ability to cope with knowing that once you start cleaning things up, you are going to piss a lot of people off. It's just the fact. You are going to be dragged on social media. The New York Times is going to write bad things about you. You're not going to be invited to all the popular person parties that you want to go to, and you need, as the mayor, to have a thick enough skin to be okay with that. Giuliani was okay with it. Bloomberg didn't care. He was so rich. He wasn't hanging out with any of these people anyway. And Mayor Adams spends his night at these parties with these people. They just see him as a useful tool to get whatever it is that they need. They think he's a, a fool. They would throw him overboard in a second if he doesn't do what they want him to do. And this leads me to the soundbite of Mayor Adams talking about the destruction of New York City under the illegal migrants. Let's take a listen to Eric Adams as he laments what was so obvious for years. I mean, you could see it coming like a freight train down the tracks directly at you. And he's just now figured it out. We turned this city around in 20 months. And then what happened? Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bust people up to New York City. Just to pause. So he's going to go after Greg Abbott here, saying that Greg Abbott's going to ship people up to New York City. Eric, you're the one who said that you had a sanctuary city. You're the one who said you were happy to have illegals. So now you're turning the tables on Greg Abbott for doing essentially what you were a proponent of? It's not the fault of, of Greg Abbott, the uh, governor of Texas. It's the fault of the Biden administration. It's the fault of the federal government. It's the fault of Mayorkas, the head of HHS. Or I'm not sorry, not HHS, DHS, Department of Homeland Security. It's the fault of all of those people. But the problem is, and you swerve into it here, is that this is intentional. Let's listen to the rest. 110,000 
migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need, health care. And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. He finally sounds alive, folks, doesn't he? He finally sounds like it's gotten his attention. The fact that New York City is going to owe $12 billion with a B because of all of this illegal immigration. He's finally figured out that the bill comes due, right? When he was growing up and what he said during the debates, how he had this family that they used to eat with and they would hang out together. There was like six of them. Well, Eric, that six has gone to 110,000. And now the rubber has met the road and the money is running out and people are fleeing the city. And what are you going to do about it? Because you're the guy in charge. You wanted the job. You're the head man. You keep turning to Washington, D.C. in the Biden administration. You're looking to the arsonist to help you put out the fire that they created. Month after month, I stood up and I said, this is going to come to a neighborhood near you. Well, we're here. We're here. We're getting no support on this national crisis. And we're receiving no support. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. There it is. There it is. It's going to destroy New York City. And he swerves into the answer there. He says, I don't see an end to this. The reason you don't see an end to this, Eric, is because there is no end. This is what the people in the White House, this is what the people in charge of the federal government, this is what they want to happen. This is, this is not an accident. We're three years in. If this was an accident, you could have course corrected a while back. Obviously, they don't want to course correct, and not only do they not want to course correct, they lie to the American people every single day about what's actually happening on the border. All we hear from Mayorkas and from KJP, the idiot who's the White House spokes idiot, all we hear is that the border is completely secure when everybody with a functional brain knows that that's a complete lie. So it has to be intentional, right? Let's listen to a little more of Eric before I get into the actual the strategy behind the intention of what they're doing here. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just getting Venezuela. Now we're getting Ecuador. Now we're getting Russian-speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. And so I say to you, as I turn it over to you, this is some, some of the most educated, some of the most knowledgeable. Eh, whatever, blather. He gets into the who, some of the most educated, knowledgeable people. Great. The people that we have in the White House, they all went to Yale, right? They all went to Princeton. They all went to Harvard. 
all of these really, really educated people who are supposed to know what to do. They went to the John F. Kennedy School of, of whatever, international relations or whatever the hell it is. Does it really matter? Do these people know what the hell they're doing? Do they care what they're doing? Or do they have just an ideological bent to do what they think is right, where they can lay in bed at night looking at the ceiling thinking, I'm a good person because I'm helping people from the third world invade my own country. And we'll just figure it out later. So Adam swerves into the truth here, but he doesn't, I don't even know that he realizes it. And I don't know that he's accepted the fact. And this is a hard thing to accept, right, folks? People don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be wrong. We talked about this on a podcast a long time ago. People would rather be wrong and be part of a group than be right and stand on their own. So psychologically, people have a very difficult time accepting the fact that they were wrong. Eric Adams has to accept the fact that he has been completely wrong, that he has been lied to, that he has been taken advantage of, and every person who voted for the guy who's sitting in the White House has been lied to, taken advantage of, and used as a tool to bring this ideology to the White House to wreak destruction across the country. And I don't know what else you would call it. It's destruction. We're being invaded on the southern border. We have cities that are completely lawless. We have destruction. Right? But there's an intent here. The intent is to cause, and I've said this before, cause the collapse of the societal safety net. This is a version of Cloward Piven. In case you missed it, Cloward Piven, these were two professors at Columbia University in New York City. Google this if you want to read the whole paper. It's a little too long. But you should think twice before you send your kids to a place like Columbia University. If These are, these are professors that are there teaching this garbage. So if you want to spend, you want to send your $70,000 to that, to that hell hole. But Cloward Piven, they were political scientists that were teaching there in the 60s. And they created this strategy for, and the purpose of the strategy, the stated purpose was to force political change through orchestrated crisis. Can we deny that we have orchestrated crisis right now across, across the country? Not only can you see it, in terms of illegal immigration, not only can you see it in terms of crime, you can feel it, folks, right? You can feel the energy in the country. It's chaos. It's orchestrated chaos. It's orchestrated crisis. Everything is a crisis. All of the crises are created by those who are sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The Svengali is there behind the curtain. So all the crises are being created there and they're being essentially pushed out across the land, whether it be you know, the illegal immigration, the crime, turning people against one another, vaccinated against unvaccinated. Now we're going back to masks. We're going to start creating more, more crises, societal upheaval with people fighting over masks for, with people who have no idea that masks do nothing. And the mass media won't tell them that masks do nothing. So they're you know, fighting with their neighbor at Wendy's over the fact that their kids don't have a mask on. The vaccines are going to be next. We're going to go round and round in this thing again. Because no politician, nobody in charge, nobody who was ahead of this disaster the last time that we went through it paid a price for it. Anybody who supported all of this nonsense was reelected. So they, they have no reason to change course. They think to themselves, they did a good job. The people reelected me. 
but back to Cloward Piven. Cloward Piven is a strategy for forcing political change through orchestrated chaos. These two guys wrote an article back in the 60s, and this article electrified the left. Following its May 2nd, 1996 publication, The Nation, which is where the article was published, sold an unprecedented 30,000 copies. Activists were abuzz with this so-called crisis strategy or cloward piven strategy as it became to known, came to be known. Many were eager to put it into effect. So backstory on the guys who created it, Richard A. Cloward was then a professor of social work at Columbia University. He died in 2001. His co-author, Frances Fox Piven, was a research associate at Columbia's School of Social Work. She now holds a distinguished professorship of political science and sociology at the City University of New York. So these people are heralded on the left. They're held up as heroes for putting together a strategy that is supposed to essentially cause the downfall of society. Still want to send your money to Columbia? In their 1966 article, Cloward and Piven charged that the ruling class used welfare to weaken the poor. By providing a social safety net, the rich doused the fires of rebellion. Cloward and Piven wanted to fan those flames. Poor people can advance only when the rest of society is afraid of them. That's a quote. Cloward told the New York Times in September of 1970, rather than placating the poor with government handouts, activists should work to sabotage and destroy the welfare system. The collapse of the welfare state would ignite a political and financial crisis that would rock the nation. Poor people would rise in revolt. Only then would the rest of society accept their demands, Soul wrote Cloward and Piven in 1966. The key to sparking this rebellion would be to expose the inadequacy of the welfare state. The Cloward, this Cloward Piven proposed to do in a classic Alinsky fashion by forcing welfare bureaucrats to live up to their own book of rules. And that is exactly what we are watching in New York City. We have these rules and the welfare bureaucrats, a.k.a. Eric Adams, is being forced to live up to his book of rules. When it was not enough people to overwhelm the system, he was fine to leave it as it was. But now that it's being completely overwhelmed and a crisis is not being created, a crisis has been created. New York City is in serious trouble due to this migrant crisis. So what will Eric Adams do? He's going to continue to beg the Biden administration for help that they don't want to give him because the intent is not to help him. And again, he has to admit himself. He can't be blaming he can't be blaming Governor Abbott for the issues that he's now seeing in in New York City. He has to blame Biden directly and he has to blame Mayorkas directly. And he has to say, "We made a mistake in putting these people into office. We made a mistake voting for these people." I voted for a guy who is intentionally creating chaos, turning citizen against citizen, and actively working to support illegal immigrations over American citizens. I mean, that's obvious that that's happening. Completely obvious. Look, and not only illegal immigrants, Ukraine as well. Look at what's happening in, uh, in Ohio where they had the train derailment. Look at what's happening in Hawaii, in Maui with the fire. Look at the money that they're giving to those American citizens versus the money that they're giving to the illegals right? $700 per 
per household in Maui if you lost literally everything you own. And if you are an illegal coming across the border, you get 2200 a month. A month. Where in Maui, you get a one-time payment of 700 bucks. So this administration does not support American citizens. They don't care about American citizens. This is a hard thing to accept. I mean, people do not want to accept the fact that they were duped into voting for a guy who has dementia and now is sitting in the Oval Office. But the only way to start correcting these mistakes is to say that we as a country have made a huge mistake. Joe Biden is a huge mistake. He will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. Come on, man. (laughs) If not the biggest disaster in American history. But we can't worry about him because he's going to be dead soon. We need to worry about the rest of us, our families, our kids, our grandkids. This madness has to stop. And the only way to stop it, the only way to start to stop it, to turn this ship around is to change the people in leadership positions. And we can't have a replay in 2024 of what we did in 2022, where everybody who got everything wrong on COVID was reelected. We cannot do that because this will not be corrected if we have the same people in charge. These people need to be tossed. They need to lose. They need to lose to such a degree that it's not like, oh, it's a close election. No, it needs to be a blowout. It needs to be a blowout. So they are sent into the wilderness wondering where the hell did we go wrong? And if we can't beat them now with all of the nonsense that's going on in the country regarding illegal immigration, regarding crime, regarding the war in Ukraine, regarding interest rates and inflation and the cost of food and the cost of gas and the woke ideology that has taken over the Democrat Party, which is actually just straight up communism. If we can't beat them now, we have a dark future, I think, folks, but... We have to beat them. They have to lose. We have to take back everything. The Republicans aren't great. Oftentimes the Republicans suck. But the Republicans understand one thing. They understand that to have a country, you need a border, a language, and a culture. And if you destroy those three things, you no longer have a country. And that's what we need to do. And before we leave out of here, let's... Hero of the... Oh, yeah. COVID has taken this year, right? just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. You go, Joe. The lives, <laughs> it's just... Think it's about a, it. I mean, think about Poor it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Today is today. <laughs> Throw and in a little Kamala. Today, yesterday. <laughs> tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. Right. So live today. Uh-huh. <laughs> So the future today will be as the past today. Uh-huh. Trying your breast, but it never feels like enough. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. You know how we talk about it. Are we the people? Folks. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response. Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yes, and that's going to do it for me today, Thursday, September 7th, 2023. Thanks for joining me today on The Ritz Report. I am Alex Ritz, the most esteemed podcast host on the interwebs. (laughs) (laughs) If you like what you heard today, please do me a solid. Go to wherever you download your podcast and give me a five-star rating. Please take the 30 seconds to do that for me. Pretty please. I could really use it. And if you like the podcast, share it with just one friend. 
if I can get anybody to share this with somebody else, we can get the numbers going up. And uh, this will be a going concern. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we should have Dylan take us out. What do you think? Oh, yeah. This is a Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney original for anybody who doesn't know. If you haven't been here at the Ritz Report long enough, here we have Dylan. Oh, yeah. Bud Light. You are one pathetic loser. Thanks, folks. Please uh, check out the podcast. Send me notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com or check me on the socials at RitzReport. Tomorrow is Friday, September 8th. I will be doing Ritz in a hurry. Don't forget Ritz in a hurry every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Short little show between one and five minutes on a topic that I think is important. And every Tuesday and Thursday, we do uh, the Ritz Report full version, somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes generally. Thanks for being here. Don't forget, we are the last best hope on earth, and we must go forward as happy warriors in order to save our republic from the lunatics that are currently in charge. Thanks for being here. Ritz out. Ritz <laughs> out.